So last time we got started on overstimulation. And we talked about teaching a child to swim. Well, this time we're actually going to talk about those swimming lessons. And uh, let's get into it. Hi friends, this is Bethany Jennings, and you're listening to We Should Talk. It's a podcast where we talk about anything and everything to encourage, equip, and empower you to be a decent human. Let's talk. So, last time we talked about um, you can't teach a child to swim when he's drowning. Likewise, you can't teach a person to cope when they need to cope. You have to prep them for that. We talked about what overstimulation is and how subjective it is for so many people uh, and how generalizing that experience is not only impossible, but really naive. We also talked about the biology and psychology of it, right? What the brain does and that kind of stuff. And we took a second to talk about what overstimulation can look like. Doesn't I mean it always looks like these things. There's a lot of options, but we talked about that. And as we were doing this, uh, you hopefully had your journal out or your phone notes or something to uh, kind of guide you through that. So I encourage you to do the same thing. Get a piece of paper, a journal, your phone notes, whatever. And we're going to talk about the last part of this particular topic, We're going to talk about how we can avoid it or work through it and what to do if the person you're trying to help doesn't want to be helped. So here we go. How can we avoid or work through overstimulation? Well, if at all possible, you want to avoid overstimulation, especially with someone uh, whose brain is not fully developed and does not have all the regulatory agencies that an adult would. So if you're dealing with a child, specifically a child, You want to avoid it if at all possible, because they're not going to have the regulatory agencies that an adult typically, not always, but typically possesses. To avoid overstimulation, you can try any of the following. You could use a visual schedule, meaning like you have the uh, like the times above pictures of what needs to happen. Um, So 8 a.m. You show a picture of, you know, a, a child getting out of bed. 8.30, there's a cartoon of a child getting dressed. 9 a.m., there's a a picture of a child eating breakfast. 9.30, there's a child leaving the house. That way they know exactly what's coming and when it's coming. They're not taken by surprise. So use a visual schedule. Um, You give warnings when transitions are coming. I, I, as an adult, like to know (laughs) when transitions are coming. I'm sure a child would as well. Um, Offer sensory breaks throughout the day like finger painting, uh, hand massages, a lotion rub, whatever. Just something that is sensory um, effective. So sensory breaks throughout the day. Helps them kind of rest their brain. Give help identifying feelings or emotions using vocabulary or pictures. So a lot of times I've worked with adults who feel things and they don't even know how to identify what they're feeling. Like they have two options. I'm happy, I'm sad. That's it. And there's this whole spectrum of emotion that falls under happy, sad that they're not even considering. So help identify those feelings and emotions, right? With the right 
the right descriptors, the vocabulary, or is this, I, I know in my classroom, I said, okay, go choose, uh, what does your, what does your face feel like today? And then I you know it went from happy to sad, to angry, to nervous. To, and again, this isn't just for kids, but I tell you what, it's helpful for kids and adults. What does your face feel like today? <laughs> so that I best know how to help you. Um, teach calming techniques before they're not calm. Uh, use noise-reducing headphones. I had a lot of students who could not handle loud noise. So use noise-reducing headphones. Avoid wearing really strong smells. Experience with students who just did not like certain perfumes, certain scents. It's a big deal. Uh, find a, a clo- and allow them to wear clothes that are comfortable. So I know... Especially as parents, we want our kids to look soups cutes, but they need to be comfortable, friends. <laughs> um, a lot of the Onyx will show up in a onesie. He will leave church. Not during church, he will be dressed for church, but he's a church baby. He will leave in a onesie and dress shoes. I am not ashamed. So allow them to wear comfortable clothing, stuff that works good on their skin. Um... Use a trigger log to help you identify the triggers and avoid them in the future. That's what I was talking. I talked a little bit about that last episode where we were um, documenting when a student would, or a child in general, when they would lose their cool, what was happening, where were they going, that kind of stuff. And so what was triggering them? So use a trigger log to identify what is triggering them and how do we avoid this in the future? Um. The last thing that I have listed, there's more options, but the last thing I've listed here is set up a sensory diet. Um, I don't mean like things they eat. I mean a consistent, gradual exposure, very gradual exposure to stimuli to habituate them and keep the nervous system calm. Uh, habitua- habituation is uh, where you, you get used to it, basically. So like when your electricity is running in your house and your AC kicks on and your fridge is purring and your washer's swashing and all that, you habituate to that noise. You don't even realize it's going on until the power goes out and everything's dead silent. So that's what I mean by habituate. You need to make it commonplace for them to experience certain stimuli, but you can't do it all at once. It has to be very, very slow, consistent, and gradual. Um, unfortunately, Avoiding overstimulation is not always achievable. So when overstimulation is unavoidable, a person's going to need help working through those overwhelming emotions that result from sensory overload. So if you can't avoid it, here are some options for working through it. Again, not all the options, but some of them. Drink cold water. Dim the lights. Use a weighted blanket. I had a lot of friends at the school who liked weighted vests. They could wear them while sitting in their seat. They didn't feel literally feel as flighty. Um, so a weighted blanket or a weighted vest. Uh, turn on calming nature sounds. YouTube has all kinds of options for nature videos or ASMR noise videos. Uh, Spotify has noise stations. Um Offer a massage. You want me to rub your back? Do you want a hand massage? How you feeling? Like some of my kids love a head massage. Do what you got to do. Um, allow them to do 
some exerting activity, right? So maybe they don't need to be calmed down. Maybe they need to put that energy into a specific focused place. So let them move books. It doesn't matter if you need the books moved. Just let them move the books. Um, Let them push against a wall. You hold them. They push those feet against the wall as hard as they can. Let them run in a contained space. Oh, let's do jumping jacks. Okay, once you run in place. Okay, exerting that energy in a very focused way will help their brain reset. Um, Have a quiet activity. Drawing, pop it, puzzle. Like have those on hand. As an adult, if you know, okay, I'm getting really overstimulated. A lot of times we turn to our phone to turn our brain off. If you could have like a little, like an adult coloring book, right? It's like very specific circles and shapes and it's very detailed that will help your brain refocus creatively and not just shut it down um so a quiet activity like that if you feel yourself getting overwhelmed do those things why not uh smell enjoyable scents right remember we talked about a scent certain scents can trigger those who experience overstimulation or sensory overload but there are also calming scents like candles oils perfumes some sometimes they come, but you need to learn what those are. Don't just be like, here, smell this avocado. <laughs> Avocados may be a trigger. You got to figure out what works for them. Now, there are obviously some scents that are generally more calming, right? Lavender, vanilla, those kind of things. Um, so when smell enjoyable scents, eat something with a lot of flavor, right? Something really minty or spicy or sweet or... Oh, the amount of sour Skittles and sour straws that were eaten in my classroom. Let them eat something with a lot of flavor. Um, and arrange a safe area. I talked about that before. I think it was last episode. Arrange a safe place, a safe area for recovery when overstimulation does occur. Give them a place where they're not going to feel like they're being stared at. They're not in trouble for going there. They go in willingly. They come out willingly. That is a safe space. My room it was called the chill zone. Let's go chill for a minute and I'll set a timer and we'll talk about it when we're done, right? Um, So when you're trying these things, you got to remember, bear in mind that every human is different and each experience of the same human can be different. So every tactic that I just listed is not going to work with every person every time. You need to try a few before you get it right usually, right? But balance the new tactics with consent. You don't want to be like every time something happens, it's a new tactic. You need to balance that with consistency. So I know this works. Let's also try this new one with that one and see see what happens, right? Have a default. If moving books is a new one, don't say the only option for you right now is you're going to move books. No. Say, would you like to go to the safe space or would you like to help me move some books? Right? Give them, give them not a lot of options. That can be too much. Just two options. Make, make them feel like they're in control of something. So, I hope you have your journal out or your notes on your phone pulled up or you're willing to talk to yourself right now. Which of these do you think would be the most effective with whoever it is in your life that experiences overstimulation? Which of these have you found most effective if you are overstimulated? Is getting a cold drink of water what works for you? Is uh, putting on some essential oils what works for you? Is taking a minute out to draw something or color uh, in your uh, adult intricate coloring book something that works for you? What works for you? Now, which of those that I listed would be easiest to implement? What's, What's one of these that you thought, oh, I could do that. That's simple. 
right? Go ahead and write that down so you can refer back to it later. If you need to rewind the episode, go for it. All right, here's our last little bit. What happens if you have someone who resists help when they need it the most? Resisting guidance through overstimulation is quite common. It's very common. Remember, when you're in this state of overstimulation and sensory overload, your brain is in survival mode. So reasoning skills are not functioning. So framing your support to minimize the problem behavior is essential. Make your support minimize the problem behavior. Escalated adults cannot de-escalate escalated children. Or escalated anybody, for that matter. If you get all worked up, chances are the situation is not going to calm down. Everybody's just going to keep getting more worked up. So, as I said in the previous section, avoiding overstimulation is ideal. That'd be super duper. So, shadowing a child as a quiet support to keep them on track is the first tactic to reduce resistance. Don't be all up in their face. Don't be in their space. But, like I said, shadowing. You don't always know your shadow's there. Shadow the child as quiet support. I just want to let you know I'm in the back of the room if you need anything. Low stress, no mess, right? That's the first tactic to reduce resistance. However, since overstimulation is unavoidable at times, as said before, any resistance to help should be blocked, ignored, or redirected to refocus on the desired behavior. So blocked, ignored, or redirected to refocus to get the desired behavior. For example... When an overstimulated person, I'll just say child, because that's most of my work with overstimulation was specifically with children. So when an overstimulated child yells, don't acknowledge the yelling. Don't start yelling back at them. Instead, offer them a coping tool that best fits the situation again. So, um, so I have someone, I hate Miss J. I've several times. And so instead of me saying, you're not supposed to say that, rah, 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 and getting all worked up. Instead, it was normally, hey, friend, would you like uh, some time in the chill zone? Hey, friend, would you like, do you, do you need a, a break? You want to take a walk? Because when I get worked up, they're just going to get worked up too, right? And it justifies their feeling that I need to fight, right? So instead of... uh acknowledging the yelling, just very calmly offer a coping tool. It's important to maintain your posture and tone at a low intensity, right? So I'm not going to yell and I'm not going to hover over them. A lot of times it's best to kneel down next to the child and be at eye level. It's, It's a very simple technique, but it can remove the threat that they're already feeling, right? Instead of hovering over them and leaning through and blah, 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 right? You could be saying things calmly, but you're leaning over them. You're hovering over them. Um, It's a simple technique, but it can remove the threat they may feel from an adult standing over them. Your tone has got to remain calm. Like I said before, escalated adults cannot de-escalate escalated children. Now, if the resistance becomes too strong, meaning they're on the verge of becoming a danger to themselves or others, 
Stop all activity. Say nothing until they're calming down and then continue as if nothing happened. Do not dwell on poor behaviors. Right? You you don't need to be kicking. You don't need to be hitting. You don't need to be screaming. You don't need to be, right? That's not helpful. And once they're calm, just like you, when they're doing that, you just stop all activity. You may have to offer them a hug, right? <laughs> that was a, a, a nice term for restraining a child. Um, don't do that without proper training, especially if you are not their their uh, guardian. Um, but say nothing until they're calming down. This happens now. Once they're calm, don't dwell on the poor behaviors. But you do need to emphasize and encourage cooperative participation when it does occur. So if they're kicking the wall... If they're going to hurt themselves and you say, you need to be careful, friend. I don't want you to hurt yourself, right? But when they're doing something good, they decide to calm down or pick up a book and carry it. And you say, I really like how you're picking that book up nice and calm. That's really great. So encourage that and don't focus on the negative, right? Um, now, I know in hearing this, a lot of people are like, well, this child's throwing a fit and they need a whooping. Well, not every child's life experience merits that. <laughs> a lot of kids don't think the way other kids think, or they've had life experiences that have kind of encouraged this uh, tendency to overload. So it's crucial that meltdowns are not punished. I'm not saying this is for every kid. I'm saying this is for the overly sensitive, overstimulated, sensory overload people. It's crucial that meltdowns are not punished. Often, meltdowns are mistaken as oppositional defiance or acting out. However, in a true meltdown, the child loses self-control and is not in control of their behavior. Because brain chemicals related to stress are so high, the body instinctively reacts to reduce those chemical levels. Thus, we see the child meltdown. The effect of these High chemicals is an inability to reason. Remember we talked about that part of your brain shuts down? They can't reason. So scolding and punishing and reasoning during their meltdown is not productive. It's counterproductive. The one and only goal during that meltdown is recovery. How can I get them to recovery? And you're not going to do that by yelling at them. You're not going to do that by whooping them. You're not going to... No. Trust me. I, I support some traditional parenting methods, and I'll leave it at that. But speaking of, my child is back there waking up from his nap. <laughs> his dad's helping him. I don't know. If, I don't even know if you can hear him, but he's back there crying. Bless his heart. So, scolding and all that stuff during the meltdown is not helpful. It the only goal is get get that person to recovery. Now, this is achieved using the tactics we talked about above. Now, once the child has calmed down, they are usually quite remorseful. I'm so sorry. All oh, the times I've heard, I'm so sorry, Miss J. I'm so sorry. At this point, you can discuss the behavior, how to better handle overstimulation in the future. That all you can do some planning at that point. But you saying that's not how we do that. You, you yelling at them when they're losing their mind. That's not that's not the answer. So, in conclusion. Overstimulation is a real challenge, but it doesn't have to win every time. Using the tools that we talked about in this episode and the last episode, um, you can recognize and avoid 
hopefully. And if you can't avoid, you can work through sensory overload when your child experiences it. So I think just by taking the time to listen to this episode and the last one, you are starting the process of learning. Learn how to swim for yourself, much less teaching someone else how to swim. So get out there and be brave. Brave the water. (laughs) Recognize the dangers. Learn to swim. Come back and listen to this episode if you need to. If you have questions, you know what to do. Message me on probably Instagram. I might see it. And then we'll go from there, friends. All right. That was a lot of information. We'll talk next time. Well, that was fun. Uh, I'm glad you stuck around for the whole thing. And thank you for talking to me today. Y'all go like and follow and review and do all the podcast things that people do. And um, don't forget to be a good human.